a Radio 191 FM podcast. You're listening to R1 News on Radio 1. Joining us now is OUSA President and R1 News alumni, Quentin Jane, <laughs> here to talk to us about the government's flawed attitude towards the sustained underfunding of universities. Kia ora, Quentin, and thank you for coming on the show. Kia ora, thank you very much for having me. It's great to be back in the booth. <laughs> I guess I'll begin the discussion by bringing up you know, the crux of the issue, which is the $60 million hole that you know, appeared in the University of Otago's budget. What was the lead cause for this massive loss? So... Having seen the numbers, there's two kind of drivers, and the biggest one of those is retention rates of students. So this is students who came last year or the year before and have decided not to come back. But then it's also just across the country, there's been poor retention rates and falling numbers of students coming to university. And so when you have that and you have a university system that is funded based upon the number of students coming back to university, it's never going to look good for the books. And like, so I guess is the aftermath of you know COVID something to blame for that, or you know perhaps the pathway of you know the NCEA system for students trying to get to university is is it either one of those? Two? I think you can look at both of those. I think through COVID for students that were here and for high school students that have chosen not to come, you've had a rough learning experience, right? And so. Why would you want to keep studying if it's really hard and you're tired and you've been stressed and living in cold flats while you're having to isolate? Like, you just kind of, you get to a breaking point. Part of the reason that I decided to run for this job rather than post-grab was because studying was just a bit more that I could bear to think about at the time, right? I'm glad I ran for this job. It's lovely. But the, the, the idea of studying was just so hard after having gone through so much COVID. And so I think that's, you know, that's the same thing. If students don't want to come back for post-grad, they might need to take a year off to go and earn some money. And that's the same for high school students coming here. They had it worse than tertiary students, right? You, you get COVID in a classroom much easier than you get it watching your lectures online. So it's... It's rough, and that's to me, is the crux of why you wouldn't want to come back. And, you know, we've seen it all over the news the last couple of weeks. The uni's strategy to combat this $60 million hole is, of course, voluntary redundancies, which are clearly going to turn into involuntary redundancies for staff at the university. Mm-hmm. A question that I've heard from, you know, a lot of students is why are the staff and the students seemingly the first line for this axing? Is there not a better way, you know, that they could have made up for this loss? I would see the issue as a government one. Mm -hmm. So if you look, there was a really good graph put in Critic Te Arohi the other week when when they wrote all these stories about it. And it showed the the student achievement component of funding against the inflation rate, which over the last three years the university's seen, I think it was a four and a bit percent increase in their funding, whereas the inflation rate sat at 15%. So they have an 11% hole basically there that they just have to find and that's that's no easy easy thing to do right because universities they're kind of funded and expected to operate like a business but at the same time they're not funded in a way that would be a sustainable business model so you're left with this gap and it's really hard anywhere you have to look for cuts my recommendation is that naturally the university when you're in this position has to look at absolutely every single option right there's are there building projects that we can delay? Are there things that we can sell? Because ultimately, whatever is the least bad option for student outcomes has to be the one that we prioritise. And so redundancies suck. It's not fair to staff who have worked really hard through COVID. And I think that in Dunedin, when you're seeing these several hundred redundancies proposed, this is going to have massive effects for the Dunedin community. And so when the government are the one who write the checks, they need to be the ones looking at how can we support the Dunedin community. And I think, you know, 
piggybacking off that, the situation opens up a you know, can of worms as far as the impact that it will have on students currently and, of course, in the future. But mm. one stood out to me that you highlighted in your article was, you know, due to staff redundancies, it's obviously, you know, terrible what's happening to the staff that have been let go. But the ones that are staying are going to be, you know, overworked, stressed, burnt out, which will end up leading to diminishing education outcomes for the students that yeah. are here. You know, do you think that this will only further dissuade potential newcomers enrolling at the university if, you know, their education could be diminished in any, any form? I mean, there's always that risk. It's, it's, that's part of why I see that, you know, any of, any of these outcomes that would come from having to find $60 million in savings are going to have negative impacts on staff and students. And I think you're right that if you look at it of my lecturers are going to be tired and not be able to give me the education that I want, you might have second guesses about coming to universities. And is that is that what the government wants? Do they want people to be second guessing? Is the university good enough? Because I would think not. And so that's why I think they really need to step in because these staff have worked tirelessly and and it's just not fair to them or to the students that are coming to university. New Zealand is known for its world-class education system. That's why we get so many international students that want to come here. But we're not funding it like a world-class education system. And I guess going back to COVID, you know, we're clearly still seeing the effect that it's having on our education sector. Do you think that it's still it's had such an effect on, you know, the job market overall that, you know, it's changed the way we employ people, it's changed the way that people are work now that you know, university isn't that desired path into into employment that it once was? Well, absolutely. You have, uh, in this kind of recovery period that we're in at the moment, unemployment is ridiculously low, right? It's at some of the lowest rates we've seen in like 30 years at 3.3%. There are so many jobs out there that as a as a prospective university student or even one here who's kind of maybe not vibing with uni, you can see an opportunity to go and get a job easier than you normally would that will pay you rather than you getting further entrenched in student loan debt. Why would you stick with university when you can go and get a job that's going to pay you roughly what a graduate job would anyway? With less debt, you can now get a better flat, live somewhere you know outside of North Dunedin if you're a bit sick in North Dunedin. Like I think that that COVID has presented this this opportunity. To, to students to perhaps not be a student anymore. That has led to some of the, the reasons that people aren't coming back and this whole. And I also think that there's then not fair to the students that do stay because now the universities and tertiary students are only going to get hit harder because there has been this awesome opportunity for people who left. And kudos to them for taking that opportunity. You would when that's there in front of you. But it's, it sucks for the students that do want to stay that they're going to have to kind of bear the effects of that. I think you've made an excellent roundup there about like what being a student is essentially now as far as you know the material hardship you go through and of course the tens of thousands of dollars in debt you know which obviously you know students that are looking to go to university don't want it they don't want to take that up. Yeah. I guess how should the government entice high schoolers and incentivize them through policy into coming into tertiary education? I mean that's the that's the million dollar question, right? So my student loan's sixty four thousand dollars, right? And I did I did four years of undergraduate study and got a year's free tuition and some scholarships that have helped that. So without any of that, I would have been at eighty thousand dollars for four years study, which is not a small amount of money. So I think that it's it's really we need to relook. If you can, because you know when you leave with your student loan, you have to sacrifice twelve percent of your salary to pay it off. Easiest way would be get rid of the need for student loans. So that is just fully funded education and a universal student allowance. Because at least then, even if you're in these kind of questionable material conditions because you're not getting enough money to support yourself, you're not paying for it. 
and why would you you know I, my current projections are 17 years to pay off that student loan so what that'll make me 39 at this rate right <laughs> halfway to retirement but you we really need to just relook at what is the student experience because it's expensive as it is and it's not great conditions so a universal student allowance getting rid of the student loan scheme and actually properly funding funding tertiary education and then other ways of improving the material conditions for students so i want to see the winter energy payment that's a big one because you could actually warm your flat in the winter which would be nice rather than seeing your breath when you wake up and also just other things like improving the rental quality for students but in a way that won't pass on those costs especially with the current student loan scheme where your loan will just go up to pay it i guess like with the amount of money we're talking about it's hard you know with the commodity thing that you talked about in your article you know viewing education as a commodity is something that you're heavily criticized how how like essential is it for the government to shift from that mindset and adapt their clearly forward funding model? Well, we really just have to think about what is the purpose of a university, right? Because is it to get a job or is it for education? Universities should exist just for the intrinsic value of education and for the social good that it provides for anyone to have the ability to go to university, get a degree, and get that kind of well-rounded knowledge that a university seeks to provide. So if we look at it as a commodity, we discourage people from going there. We kind of, you lock out groups from attending university if they see that as an inaccessible commodity because to take on $64,000 in debt or whatever your student loan ends up at is a lot to sign up for as a young person and if you don't come from a place of privilege where you can justify taking on that kind of debt why would you and it's also you're going to take longer to have proper earnings to be able to contribute to your family to set yourself up for any kind of success if we look at it as a commodity we're excluding people we're not making it enticing it's just unfair and i guess in the future you know can we better ensure academics and university staff you know are better looked after and equipped to just do their jobs. I mean. Well, that's why I think the first thing that needs to happen is that the funding rate for universities needs to match the inflation rate because when a university is run in a system that doesn't allow them to explore commercial ventures, the only way that they can increase their funding is through government funding increases. And so if we lock it below inflation, that's only ever going to detrimentally affect staff and students so that's the easiest way that we can do it to ensure that the staff who are working hard and who do always work hard are best protected in their jobs and how we can ensure that students will see quality education that they should be entitled to when your student loan is in the tens of thousands of dollars and finally you know in an election year this is an issue is this an issue that you hope to see the student body you know really galvanize behind and persuade the government into combating you know, which is like a massive issue of sustained underfunding for universities. Absolutely. So this is a really big thing that OUSA will be pushing this election. So we've actually got a protest next Tuesday. We'll be marching from the clock tower to MP David Clark's office to call for better support for the tertiary sector, so for students and for the university, because it's it's time that they step up. We have a prime minister who was the minister of education and who was a student president at Victoria in the early 2000s. It needs to be something that they consider because other universities will 
be in a similar position very soon if nothing happens and we're just going to see continuing crisis across the country we would end up in a case we're already really there in a case of education crisis and so it needs to be an election issue because it is a big problem once again, Quinton, thank you so much for coming. You Thanks know, for back, having back me. Back in the booth. I missed it. Talked a lot about <laughs> that. Um, once again, what time is that protest next week? So that is 10.30 outside the clock tower. We'll do little quick chats and then head to David Clark's office, kind of disband at 11.30. Pretty quick. We're also doing a little sign making over, I believe it's in the Everson Lounge at OUSA Clubs and Socks, uh, 2.30 to 6pm on Friday. Sweet. Make sure everyone gets around there. It's a... Yeah, really important issue that affects student and staff. Um, you listen to R1 News on Radio. This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.